It's the story of uh, Lazarus. So let's read. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV, so you'll just have to do your best to follow on. Uh, John 11, verses 1 to 44. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi said a short, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you and yet you are going back there. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble for he sees by his world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus said, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I'm not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, yeah, let us go, so we may also die with him. It's encouraging thoughts. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Bethany, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come, to, come with, sorry, come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you asked. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, sorry, he who believes in me, will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he, 
See how he loved him. But some said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was in a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour because he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed I w- you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard, that you have heard me. I knew that you always I know that you always hear me. But I said for but I said for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with stripes of linen, with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the clothes and let him go. It's a great story. It's a great, true story uh, about Jesus. So I just want to talk this morning about when life does not go the way you want, what then? And that when you can... I guess the question that I've often thought over the past few months is when can I just get on with it and have a normal, some normality in, in my life? And um, I just remember talking to Pete one day and he asked me what, I could be, what he could be praying for and I said, I just want a season of normality. That's what I want. I just want a season of normality. So this, I, I guess this journey for me has just not, it's just not gone the way, the way that, I, that I wanted that I wanted. I mean, no one wants a child to be ill, especially one of your own. Um, and, and when they get ill, you know, what's the first thing that you want? Well, the first thing I want is I want Jesus to heal her and I want him to do it now. That's what, that's what I want. And it's just not gone. It's not gone the way... I'm not saying that Jesus is not active in her. He is. He's active in the whole situation. But, but, but for me, it's just not gone the way that I wanted. And sometimes in life, um, if I asked you to raise your hand and tell me, um, have you always got what you wanted? Yes or no? No. We just don't. We don't, get, we don't always get what we want. So um, we tell Jesus how we would like it to go. That, that's what we do a lot of times. We tell Jesus, and, and I guess um, if, you, if we're following the scripture and we read that, um, they were telling Jesus how they wanted to go. Um, talks about, explains about that, um, and then they said, the Lord is the one you love is sick. And when he heard that, um, he talked about that God will be glorified and it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What, what would have they preferred? They, pref- they would have preferred that Jesus prayed there and then and didn't even, 
not necessarily have to come, but Lazarus would be healed from his sickness because he could do that. He could speak a word and, and people, he did that. He spoke and people were healed. He spoke and people were delivered. He spoke and people were, um, people saw, uh, people spoke, people heard. He could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted to do it. But when he heard the news about people that he loved and was close to, when he heard that, he thought, I'll just stay two more days. Do you, do, do you find that an under, understandable thing? I, I don't. I go, well, why? Well, it was because he wanted to see, he wanted to show people how God is glorious. But it just, it just, it highlights the fact that life doesn't go the way that we want all of the time, lots of the time. Jesus could have done it there and then. He didn't need to go anywhere necessarily. He could have just said the word and Lazarus could have been healed. Why didn't he go straight away? Because he loved them. It said that he loved them. Then the other part of that is why, so when he said, when he eventually said, let us, let's get up and let's go back to Judea, the disciples then said, well, the last time you were there, they, they, they stoned you. They tried to. They tried to stone him. So then the other flip of that, we have the disciples who, who, who wanted it to be done, what they wanted to be done. We can't go back there. We're frightened. Because last time you went there, they tried to stone you. But he didn't, why didn't he heed their warning? So God works in ways that don't always line up with the way we want things or how we want them to go. Why, why is that? Why is that? Why doesn't God give you what you want or do things the way that you want them to go? Well, it depends whose story it is. It depends whose story we're living by. And if we're here and we're born again and we believe that Jesus died for our sins and we've been repentant, then we've entered into someone else's story. It's not ours. We've entered into God's story. So who wrote God's story? He did. He wrote it and we're in it. Whether we, whether we uh, choose to be active in God's story, the whole world is in his story. And the, the, I guess the most reassuring thing about God's story is that he wrote it and the end is set in concrete. The end is sure. The end is good. The end is victorious. And the end will glorify him and we'll all be doing that in the end. The end is all about him and his victory, his goodness, his immense mercy and his amazing grace. The story will play out how God intends it to play out. Nothing you can do can interfere with how God's story goes. It just can't. It just can't. God's story, he's the author and it will play out just as he wants. But the great thing about God's story is that he wants you to be in it. He wants us to be in his story. 
He wants us to play uh, uh, a living role in his story by his redemptive process. He wants us to be in it. So, But he wants us to be in it not as one who controls anything about it, but as, as a submissive, submissive servant who is connected to the, the master, the author, and serves him humbly. That's, that's, that's how he wants us to be in his story. So when it comes to my children, can I walk <laughs> as a submissive servant, humbly before him, trusting him that he knows what he's doing because it's his story? Well, that's been part of my struggle that, that God and I are on. And it is a struggle. So is that me? Yeah, sometimes it is. But, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes I'm not a humble servant serving Jesus. Sometimes um, I'm asking Jesus why. Why, why, why. why is this playing out this way? What, what are you doing? What's happening? Why can't you do? The, well, the, the truth is it's not my story. You know, I, I, I take it back and I, I want to I make it my story because I want it to play out. What I want is for Emma to be healed and for her to be able to stand before people and say, look what God's done. But, but, but I, I, I'm wanting that in my way. He is deeply connected with Emma and he's done amazing things. And when I sit and think about that, I'm ever so thankful of what he's done and what he's doing. But sometimes I just get in the road. So I want to just read a little caption out of a, a book that I, that I read um, called Disciple. The author's name is Bill Clem. And um, he preached a message on um, God's story. I think you can find it on YouTube. But, but it's, we, we used to use it as part of the restoration process in restoration groups. Um, and it was just really, the first time I've seen it, it was just really impacting. Um, and I've watched it a lot. But just a small caption out of his book, he just reads, Embracing the servant role of experience and redemption in God's story rather than abandoning, abandoning the, God, the God of the story because we don't like the way that the story is going is perhaps the biggest hurdle of our faith. Do, do, you, do you get that statement? Because we... we we invite God and ask God to be part of our story all the time. We want God to do things for us and we want them, him to do them for us how we want them done. You might think you don't, but you do. We just do. Every day we, we ask. I'm not saying that you don't ask for things, you do. I ask God to heal Emma every day because he can. And he says, he says to me, ask. So I ask. But when it doesn't, do I abandon him? Do I abandon the God of the story because I don't like the way the story is going? And perhaps that is the biggest hurdle of my faith. And, and it is. It is in an ongoing process. To place oneself as a character in a story written by another flies in the face of the society and culture in which we live in today. The slogan is, my own master bellows loudly from every newsstand and every blog post. 
Our world is saturated with autonomy of the individual and simply we don't like to think that we are not in control of our own destiny. Isn't that the world that we live in today? It's just all about us. You are the most important person. Turn on the television this afternoon when you go home and you'll find out. That's the way we view it a lot. We live in what is. Part of this scripture is the disciples, they are living in what is. They lived in the fear and darkness of what they see before them. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you and yet you want to go back there. Verse 12, the disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps he will get better. Let's just leave it alone. Just not understanding. Verse 16. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Yep, let's go also so we may die with him. Not, not seeing. Not seeing what Jesus is doing. Thomas didn't even seem interested in what Jesus was doing. He was just worried. If we go back there, they're going to kill us. I don't want to die. not seeing what's before them. They wanted to be in control because the story was going to a place where they were afraid of. Along this, um, along this journey, there's just been times where the story, it's not ended yet, but where the story has just gone to places where I just didn't want it to go. So Emma went through surgery and it was, it, was, it was miraculous. She was, uh, uh, he said, the doctors, the surgeon said that in, in the, part of the process of the operation is they stop the, they stop the blood flow to the brain um, because he has to work inside so he doesn't want blood coming out. So he said we might have to do that at 20 minute intervals four to five times. And to do that they they cool her, cool her brain down, cool her body down. It's just a, it's mind-blowing to, to understand what they can do. They're, they're just, God has gifted people, I tell you. Anyway, when she came through, he'd only had to do that. And it can cause, it could cause lots of things. She could have had a massive stroke. She could have brain damage. She, there's a lot, which he explained in detail, which is extremely overwhelming for a parent to hear. But she, that he did that twice and... Um, and no, she has nothing to do with it. She is, she does, her short-term memory is affected slightly, but that'll get better. But um, So that was a big enough process, and she came through that really well. She came out of intensive care like way sooner. They wake her up way sooner. She was supposed to stay asleep for two days. They wake her up the next day, and she was just doing so well. And you just, I just remember coming back here to a meeting and, Pete asked me to share, and I was, <laughs> I was so excited about what God had done, you know, in her life. And, um, and I just, my, your, your expectation and your faith, it just rises because you just see God at work. And, and it's just amazing. The surgeon said the operation couldn't have been any more successful. It was so good. Um, and then we were going, and she was, she was, 
she was just about to be um, discharged. And that day, which was like way earlier than what anyone else would be discharged, just about, and um, she, she, she had a turn and she ended up having a, brain, a bleed on her brain. And when Sue rang me and said that, um, the story just went to a place that I didn't want it to go. Um, and, and I just really struggled. Uh, and I was, I think I was in the middle of a, I was in the middle of a driving lesson and I almost had to say to the person, I just need to take you home because I, I just can't finish what I'm doing. Because it just, my mind just immediately goes to um, me trying to work it out. My, God wasn't the first person I called to. I just sunk and just, it's just hard. And eventually you come back and then I come back and say, and then I start talking to God and say, God, God, please, I feel helpless. I don't know what to do. Please help us, help her. Please help her. And then uh, again, <laughs> when she'd been out of hospital and they're staying in a unit in Brisbane, they were just about to come home. She'd been out for a week and, um, and then she just um, woke up in the middle of the night and she just started... Um, vomiting uncontrollable so there was something else going on it ended up being some fluid around her heart so again when Sue I can't imagine what I, I can't imagine what it's like for Susan because I was at home but when she ran me again then, then again it goes to a place where you just don't want the story to go and so <laughs> it's just been um, it's, it's been a really it's been a really good struggle it's been hard but it's been good because um, am I trusting that I'm in God's story and that the, the outworking of that story goes how he planned? He's not surprised. He's not surprised of anything that, that has happened. He's not surprised what happens in our lives because he already knows. Because, because he knew us before we were in our mother's room. He, he knew everything about us. He, knew, he knows what's going to play out in our lives. It's us that are surprised. But when we're surprised, well, so a lot of the time when I'm surprised, I just revert back to trying to work out a solution. But God already has the solution. He has the solution for Emma. I don't know what that is. Um, but I'm not, can I trust him with that solution? Well, well, that's an unfolding journey. And I just remember that, anyone ever seen the movie Aladdin? Yeah, there's a, a part in that where he, He's riding the magic, it's really great. He's riding the magic carpet and he wants to, what's the girl's name? Jasmine. That's it. He wants Jasmine to come for a ride on the carpet. And I just remember um, him standing and the carpet's floating and he puts out his hand as he's inviting and he says, do you trust me? Well, I think God does that with me all the time. He puts out his hand every time there's a crisis and he says to me, do you, do you trust me? Now, what, what would be really great if I did there is that I put my hand in his and I said yes. Well, sometimes I do, but sometimes I go, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I do. I want to. And eventually I come to the place where I go, yep, I'm really privileged because you have shown me so much mercy and grace. And it's really sinful of me not to trust you. It's really sinful of me not to trust you. And I'm sorry. 
Yes, I do. Yes, I do trust you, even though it's really hard. Yes, I do. Life is unsure. Life is unpredictable. Life can be scary. Life can be hard. And life brings suffering. And I think for all of us, that is a question that Jesus will constantly ask us is, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me when you're sick? Do you trust me when you're unemployed? Do you trust me as you age? Do you trust me with your children? Do you trust me with your finances? There's just, I mean, if I, if I had a whiteboard and asked us to list things, that God would ask us, do you trust me with this? The list would be long. And because to, to live in a broken world that's um, full of damaging people and damaging things, um, that question is always there. Do you trust? Do you trust that God is good? Even when all these things are happening, life is unsure, unpredictable, scary, hard, and brings suffering... Um, do you trust that he is good? And we go, we go in our head, we go, yeah, yeah, I trust that he's good. But when you're in a hard place and it's not good, do you trust that he's good? I just think it's a great question. Do you trust him and do you trust his goodness? I think it's a good question to ask. And if we don't, well, that's okay. But eventually we will come to a place where we will need to repent that we don't trust his, that he's good. And I think that's an ongoing process for me, that, I, that I, I say that he's good and then I repent because I don't really believe it sometimes. I doubt that. I doubt that he's good. Jesus is present. Jesus draws us to himself. I just think it's a really little special part of this scripture in um, verses 28. After he'd finished talking with Martha and bringing her, drawing her to himself, after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went. What's, what's really good about that? What's really good about that? As soon as she heard, she got up and went. In her grief about her brother, she knew the thing that she needed most was Jesus. She got up and went. Now Jesus had not entered the village but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up, they went and followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Jesus reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What's the great thing about that? She fell at his feet. She cried out to Jesus, in her time of need. Did we do that? And this is another great thing. I just love this bit. When we talk about Jesus being present. When Jesus saw her weeping 
and the Jews that had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. Do you think how life is for us troubles Jesus? Yeah, it does. It does. That's why he's with us. He does, I don't think that Jesus is with me and says, oh, you'll be right. Come on, Colin. You'll be okay. You'll be all right. He, he's not. He's with me and he's riding the journey of emotion with me. If I cry, he just doesn't go, sorry, so I'm just going to use you as a bit. He just doesn't go, there, there, Cole. It'll be all right. He doesn't do that. He sits with me. Cries with me. He's moved by what's happening in my life. He's moved by what's happening with my family. It moves him. We live in a broken world that dishes up all sorts of stuff to us. But he is with me. He is present. And he was present. Some things you can't explain. But the one thing that you can be totally sure of is that he is present. He is present with us. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus is present. So the, one of the, when I said earlier this morning about that, when I read that post and it's so great to see that people are with us, that's just part of God being with us. It's part of God being with me, having his family present with me. Being able to, being able to text a brother and say that, Life, well, I won't say what I said to him because it's, I used an expletive because that's just how I felt. Um, life is just really hard and I just, I just want it to stop. I just want it to stop. I want it to be okay. To be able to text that to a brother and for him to be able to text me back and reassure me that not only was he with me, but that, that Jesus is with me, even if I don't sense that because of my own um, withdrawal, but he's there. <laughs> it's amazing. And that brother knows who he is, and I just want to tell you that I love you, brother. It's just really good. Jesus is present. Jesus is troubled by our trouble and he's with us in our suffering. And I just don't think we sit with him enough. I just don't think we allow ourselves to suffer. I don't think we allow Jesus to be with us. I just think somehow we go, we just need to pull it together. And I think we tell each other that. Come on, it'll be okay. Jesus is on the throne. Well, I know he's on the throne, but right now I'm hurting. And right now Jesus is with me and that's, that's a good place for me to be. Because who else, who better to be with me than Jesus? And Jesus' family, it's just great. 
describe. So Jesus is drawing me and he's drawing us to trust him for the outcome. And I just want to read with you, a, it's only a small, tiny scripture that I got like a day before Emma's operation. And I have prayed this nearly every day since then. It's Psalm 29, verse 11. It just says, it's the last verse of that psalm. It just said, the Lord gives strength to his people and the Lord blesses his people with peace. What are the two things that you need in crisis? Strength and a sense of peace. So I've just reminded him of that. This is what you've said to me, Lord, and I believe this. I believe that you're going to be my strength. You're going to be a strength to my wife. You're going to be a strength to my daughter. And you're going to be a strength to my son-in-law and my daughter and my, and my daughter. Because we're all in this. And funnily enough, we all have different responses to a crisis. And they have their response to Jesus. Uh, I have mine. And part of the struggle is watching their responses and being okay with that. So the Lord gives me strength and he gives me peace and he's present with me. Are we with him or are we still trying to direct his steps? Let's be with him. Jesus is, control, Jesus is always in control of the outcome. And we, we, we see the outcome of that story and how Jesus was glorified. Every outcome is going to bring glorification to Jesus because that's what he intended. He intended that he would be glorified. Every outcome, every outcome. If it's the worst in our eyes, it's still going to bring glory to him. If Jesus, I'm not saying I'm ready for this to happen, but if, if Emma went, then that would bring glory to God. That would bring glory to God. That's a hard statement to say and a hard statement to think about, so I don't think about it very often. But if, but, but if that, that would bring glory to Jesus. So Jesus knows the outcome of this of this process, Jesus knows the outcome of whatever struggle you're in. He, he just, he knows. He knows and he wants to be with you. Allow him to be. Allow him to be with you. So I guess, uh, <laughs> the last thing is how do we live in his story? How do we live there? I want to, uh, I just want to finish by reading Psalm 23. I just want to turn that, turn to that with me. How do we, how do we live in his story? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. Why don't we stand? Let's stand. Let's honour God this morning. Reading, reading a psalm like Psalm 23 is just a great way to worship him. So maybe, I don't know, you can follow along, you can close your eyes, you can raise your hands, you can do anything except interrupt me right now. <laughs> and, and you can't leave. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs>